welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, welcome to this weekend's message. And I want to say that right off the, the bat that this message is connected to my new book called Keep the Change. And uh, this really has become a life story of mine, but we'll get there in a minute. But it's a a new book that's just coming out and uh, so excited that God's gonna use this, I believe, to help people make change and keep change. And uh, I'm grateful for other churches that are watching right now, a part of this message, and just so grateful for what God's doing in our church. And uh, I wanna give you uh, just where this came from, where this came from. I wrote a first book, so I'll back up. I wrote a first book called Change Before You Have To. Wrote it, 2012, and uh, as I wrote that, I, I, I was excited for the change that I made in my life, and then fast forward a couple years later, maybe about eight years later, I'm at an event where John Maxwell is the keynote. He's the keynote speaker, but I get the 20-minute warm-up spot. How many know what I'm talking about? I get, that, I get the 20-minute, like, devotional, doesn't have to be good, but John Maxwell does, you know, and I got that. And I, it was the first time in my life I've ever spoken in front of John Maxwell, okay? And you think that's easy. That's not. Like, I've, I've met him. I, I talked to him. I golfed with him. I've done all sorts of things. But I'd never actually spoken in front of him. And in that moment, I was just, like, nervous. I was nervous that John's there. And I thought, you know, everybody's watching John. And if I'm bad, he can just go like this. And they take me off the stage. And, you know, I'm gone, you know? And so I, I get done. I do, I do this devotional called Keep the Change, how did I change in my life and how did I keep it? Like, what are the things that steal away your change? And 20 minute, 20 minute devotional. And as soon as I get done, I sit down next to John and John goes, Rob, that was great. And the heavens opened up. Oh, you know, I was like, <laughs> yes. And he goes, that needs to be a book. Rob, seriously, that needs to be a book. And so I, when John Maxwell tells you it has to be a book, you know, I'm like, all right, it has to be a book. But it took a few years to do that. And so. Uh, but I'll back up. So how did this one get to be a book in the first? So this is the first one, uh, Change Before You Have To. And this is one where I opened my mouth and inserted my foot. And I've told the story before, but for those of you that don't know, um, we were out to dinner with some friends from church. And while we're there, uh, this guy said, what would you do if something happened to Becca? And I said, I don't know. I'd be a basket case if something happened to Becca, if I lost her, and I'd have to lose weight. And, and, and Becca's like, What? you'd have to lose weight if I died? And I'm like, did I say that out loud? Like, I didn't mean to say that out loud, but I did. And and then I was looking for a lie. I know I'm a Christian, but I was looking for a lie. Like, ah, 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 and I couldn't get it out. Like, I just, and my friend goes, what he's saying is he could never attract a woman like you looking fat like that. And she goes, you would lose weight for another woman? And I was like, I will lose it for you. And I, I went in and I, I changed, I did all the things that I was supposed to do. I, I, I lost the weight, I changed my life. I went to the doctor, I said, treat me like I had a heart attack. And he's like, you didn't have a heart attack. I said, I know, but I wanna change before I have to. And then I was like, this should be a sermon. And I found Josiah, that he, when the Bible was read to him, he changed immediately. He didn't wait until a prophet called him out. The word of God spoke to him and he changed. I was like, this is a sermon. So it turned into a sermon and everything and I changed my life and I lost the weight. And uh, I went from um, 
an extra large. I was an extra large and, 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 and now I'm a medium. So that's a medium, but I was extra large. I think we have a couple pictures. I think we have a picture of like my driver's license. Yeah, okay. So you got driver's license. There, look at that. That's fat Rob and, and skinny Rob, all right? You see, right there. And it was like, I remember when I was going through TSA and I had lost weight and I had that old driver's license, the dude like, dude, good job, good job, yeah. And then I think there's another one. There's like one of those pictures you're like, pray that never gets up. And it's like, yeah, it's like, I had such a large gut, I could cover Becca with it, you know? And I, and I noticed in all my pictures, I wore that same shirt over and over. It was extra large, super ballooning, you know? And, and by the way, um, I, I mean, I had this just like about, all my weight was right here. It was like a basketball right here. And my sister-in-law is Vietnamese and she'd come up to me and she'd go, you have baby? You have baby? I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. That's so mean, Wing. You should not do that. You know, so I lost the weight and did that. And I, I, I lose the weight. And then all of a sudden, I, what's crazy is then eventually I do have a heart attack. I do have a heart attack, which is so sad because I did all the right things. And I preached the sermon. I didn't ask for this. And somebody saw the heart attack picture. But go ahead, show it up because this is 2014. And this is me. Like, I had a heart attack and it wasn't fair. And, and I'm thinking, like, why did I make all this change? I mean, I did all this and then I, then I have the heart attack and the doctor said to me, hey, you gotta know that the change wasn't wasted. The change wasn't wasted, it helped you. And he said, your heart developed a thing called collaterals. And I think we have a picture that we could show up there. The collaterals from my heart, you can see there, there are two little uh, arteries coming out. You see, go ahead, put the arrow on them so you can see them a little better. Yeah, you see, those are the collaterals and they're going through my heart. And that's what you get from working out and running and being in shape. And he's like, hey, those things helped you in your recovery. Those things helped you. No change is wasted. And some of you are like, oh, I, I made the change. See, I don't want to make the change because Pastor Rob still had a heart attack, so I don't want to change it. Uh, oh, I, I still get into heaven, so why do I need to make the change? Because after all, Jesus' grace gets me in, so I don't need to worry about this. It's just a habit that I've always had. Well, you might get into heaven, but your kids might see your hypocrisy, and then they won't get in. And your neighbor won't get in. Your coworkers won't get in. Make the change. No change is wasted. So this new book now is, is written, Keep the Change, and it's how do you keep it? Like after all those years, it's perfect for small groups and each chapter has that in there. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, can't wait for this to go out. And by the way, John Maxwell did like a forward interview. It wasn't really a forward, it was an interview. And uh, it, was, it was fun to have him to be a part of this because he's like, hey, seriously, like I have gained weight, lost weight, gained weight, lost weight, gained weight, you know, and I've made the changes and then didn't keep the change. He's like, this is a book that everybody needs. I'm gonna throw these to you. These are yours, all right? Those are gifts, all right? So, all right, yeah. You get a car, you, no, the rest of us, oh, by the way, the rest of us get to buy it, all right? And uh, here's the deal. Anything that's sold at River Valley, all the proceeds go to Kingdom Builders, all the proceeds, all right? All of it, all right? And then just so you know, whenever I travel around the world and, and sell the book, even then, that's how I make my KB commitment. Becca and I are able to give from that and be able to support that. So I just wanted you to know that. Now, um, I found that change is hard, and especially in an instant society, there's three groups of people that want to change. And the first group are those that give up even before they start. Like, they, uh, uh, and it's like false start. They just, uh, nope. And they give up. They're like, it's not for me. I'm never going to change. There's another group of people that change, and they, they sprint. They they sprint and they do it for like a month. And then it was too hard to hold and they lose it back. 
And then there's another group that makes the change and keeps the change. They keep it, they don't let it go. They, they hold the gains and, and they keep moving forward. And one of the things that keeps us from making the changes and, and keeping our changes is what Forbes magazine calls change battle fatigue. We've all done this. We've all said, I'm gonna make the change. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna change and, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna step out and do this. And or a, a, a boss comes in and says, hey, new deal. This is what we're gonna do at our company now. New thing, this is what we're gonna do. We're changing everything. And the employees go, yeah, been there, done that. He just went to a new conference and now, you know, about a week from now, he'll forget, won't hold us accountable. There's just change, just this fatigue that happens there. And we say, yep, yep. And as soon as somebody says, this is what we're gonna do, something within us that fatigue says, nope, it's never gonna work for me, not gonna happen. Now, the Apostle Paul knew that change was hard. And he, and he knew that keeping the change required hard work and us to look back to see how far we've come. And in Philippians chapter three, verses 13 through 16, it says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. That is like the theme verse of this. We've got to hold on to the gains. We've got to hold on to the progress that we've already made. So many of us make progress and then we lose it. Some of you have made that change and you're past the month and you're wondering, can I keep this for a lifetime? Can God give me the strength to overcome this sin or habit that used to have me bound? And am I going to be just three years and the sobriety and then lose it? No, you got to hold the progress. Hold the progress, it's worth it. God's gonna give you the strength. And it's so sad when we see people have gain and lose gain. Saw this in my own family. My mom and dad were foster parents. They took in about 100 girls over the years uh, that I was growing up. They, they just opened up the house, two more bedrooms. They said, all right, there is anywhere from two to five foster girls living with us. Some would live for a day, a week, a month with us. Others would live for years with us. And um, one, my dad walked down the aisle, gave her away in, in marriage because her father was out of the picture. Um, some even go to River Valley Church, even right now, okay? But some of them would leave that environment. They'd make great gains. They'd be in the family environment that was healthy, and all of a sudden, they make great gains, and then they go back into old relationships, old environments, old situations, and they'd go right back. They'd lose the gains that they had. It was so sad. They'd lose those gains. Others, though, held the gains, and like I say, are even part of our church, given to kingdom builders, part of this, and we celebrate those that hold the gains, but we see so often people just lose it, and they slip back. I'm cheering for you. I'm cheering for you to keep your change, to, to hold on, to make the change. Some of you need, like, I need the first book, all right? Change before you have to, but let's keep the change. Now, here's the thing. If we're gonna change, we're gonna have to realize that we can't fall for the excuses. And I'm gonna look at some of those in just a moment. But as you look in the Bible, you'll see there's all sorts of people that would make excuses, but none was better than uh, King Saul. So Israel's first king, his name is Saul. They, they say, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. And God gives them a king. Now he starts out humble, he starts out amazing, he starts out doing the right, he's prophesying, doing the right things. But after a while, Saul starts disobeying and think like, I'm the king, I can make the rules. 
And he didn't realize, no, you're the king. You still have to obey God. And so he's like, I'm the king. I could start making the rules. And as he starts making new rules, God's not happy with that. And he starts making excuses. And one of those is found in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 11. The prophet Samuel shows up and Saul has just offered sacrifices and shouldn't have done it. And, and God's upset. And so Samuel shows up. He says, what have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering, that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I've not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. He's like, okay, you didn't show up. God didn't come. The people and, they, and it, so I, and you, okay, it's his fault, okay? It's your fault. You were late. And God's like, now today, you lose the kingdom. Now, I'm not gonna stand for you making excuses. You chose this, you did this, you knew it. And you're like, and we read this, we said, well, of course, it was Saul and he was a bad guy. Okay, God gave them a good king. He didn't look down and go, where's a really big loser for an object lesson? Saul, we'll, we'll, we'll have him. No, he didn't do that. He gave them a great king who was humble, but then something happened. He didn't stay humble. He couldn't hold the gains that were in his life that made him get selected. And now he has been, you know, taken out. He's gone. He's gone. This guy was full of excuses, and I won't look at him much more, but, like, there are self-deceptions and excuses that we use, and I want to go through these. And these are all in the book, and I think I'm going to cover about a chapter and a half, maybe two chapters, um, but I want you to maybe identify with these. And when I'm doing these, don't go like, me? That one's me too. Me again, don't do that, all right? Just internally, maybe jot it in your notes. You know, it's me, okay, okay. All right, so these are some of the reasons why we don't keep the change. Like, we've worked so hard, we've done it. God's given us breakthrough. And by the way, change for you after you and keep the change, it's not weight loss. It's way bigger than that. That was something that started me down the road to this of saying, these are gains I want in my life. You need gains in your purity. You need gains in your anger. You need gains, you know, in your parenting. You need gain. you understand? There's gains all over. All right, so the reason we don't keep the change and keep those gains is, number one, we have faulty memory. We have faulty memory. We just forget how bad it was. We forget how bad it was. Like, you know, for me, like when I look back at the pictures, like I go through and I see the pictures, I'm like, whoa, whoa. And it reminds me, we forget. And you just forget, like that I used to, and now you forget how far back you were. Matter of fact, some people don't even ever want to talk about how bad they are. They have like faulty memory and they blocked it out and that's not me. And, and it might do your kids some good if you told them like, this was me, I was bad, I was drug addict or this or that. I did, you know, but you're like, I don't want to tell them. No, there's something about, hey, this was me. I've come a long way. I don't want to forget what I was. Moses warned the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter four, verse nine. He said, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. There's something about not forgetting what you were in and what God brought you out of. I was this and now I'm set free. Praise God. And I'm gonna hold that gain and keep that gain. I'm not gonna forget what I was and then inch myself back into slavery again. The, the Israelites are like, oh, Egypt was so amazing, was so amazing. They forgot they were slaves and they were being in forced labor. And Moses like, don't forget, don't forget. 
Remember where you were. So sometimes we, like, we, we, we forget because we just say, or we don't keep the change because we forget and we fall for that deception or excuse. Another one is Samson syndrome. Samson syndrome. We, we flirt with the sin. We flirt with it. We get just close. We think, oh, you know, it's not that bad. You know, I got this and uh, I can flirt with it and I can get close to the edge. And I'm like, get away from the edge. Get as far away as you can. You know, if you don't know the story of Samson, let me summarize it for you. Samson has been anointed by God and anointed by God. If he doesn't cut his hair, he has supernatural strength. Guy can like take on a hundred people, just destroy him. He can knock buildings down. This guy's in, it's supernatural strength, but it's with his hair. So he's uh, dating Delilah and he's with Delilah and Delilah's telling him like, you know, oh, tell me the secret to your strength. And, and he knows if he does, like, it could be gone. But he, he's like, oh, it's Delilah. So he's like, oh, I, if, you, if you bind me with old ropes and new ropes, if you do those types of things, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll take away my strength. And so she does it in the middle of the night, new ropes, old ropes. And, and she says, the Philistines are here. And he breaks out, does it, he gets free. And then he says, like, she's like, come on, tell me why you're so strong. Tell me why you're so strong. And he's like, okay, if you braid my hair. I mean, he's getting close. How many know, like... Like, he's like messing around, and then he's like, you're like, no, it's the hair. It really is there. And then he tells her, like, if you cut my hair off, then I'll lose my strength. Like, think about it. She already bound him with new ropes, old ropes, and braided his hair. She's going to cut his hair off. Why does he do that? I would theorize that he probably was arrogant, thinking, I got this. It ain't my hair. It ain't God's strength. It's me. I'm pretty good. And I got Samson syndrome. And I'm just going to flirt around the edges. We'll see. We'll see. I got this. Next thing you know, he's in slavery because of the Samson syndrome. I got this. I got this. I got this. No problem. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Don't flirt with the edge. Stay away from that. All right? Another thing is, not my fault. And it's an excuse that it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's, it's their fault, and we do blame shifting, and we are professional blame throwers. How many know what I'm talking about? We're like blame throwers. We're like, not my fault. It's your and it's your fault. And it's been happening ever since the beginning of time. Really. I mean, you think about it. Well, I mean, created man when man was created, not ever since God, but when man was created. When Adam and Eve were created and they sinned, God's like, what'd you do? And Adam's like, you made a woman, that's her fault, you know, like, it's, it's her fault, like, why'd you do that, you know, and I was alone, and now, you know, and then God's like, Eve, what, she's like, well, you made a serpent, and you put a tree there, why'd you put a tree, you know, everybody's like, you know, like, blame, and God's like, uh-uh, you chose to do that, you chose to do that. A lot of people use the not my fault, and when I used to do more counseling, and I, I don't, counsel in the church. We have other people that do a great job. We refer people to professional counselors, etc. But I'd be counseling with people and say, well, I would never have done that if my wife wouldn't have. I never would have done that if my wife wouldn't have done that. And I was like, no, don't you dare blame throw on her. You know, you're flame throwing, blame throwing. Nuh-uh. You know, people say, well, I never would have done it if, 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 if the boss would have given me the raise. I wouldn't have done that. I never would have no, you don't get to blame other people. That's a surefire way to not live the abundant life. Okay, another one. Just this once. Just this once. It's a deception that's there. 
the enemy says, you know what, just, just this once you can do it. Just this once. Just, it's not a problem. Just this, it won't be a habit. You deserve this. I mean, you're super stressed. You know, um, just this once. You don't get paid enough, so self-bonus yourself right now because, you know, it's just this once. Just, it's not a habit, it's just this once, all right? That's a lie from the enemy that's gonna steal your life, steal your joy, steal everything that you've worked so hard for with the lie of just this once. See, because just this once changes the direction that you're going. If you're like, I'm gonna go this way, I'm gonna go this way, and I'm gonna, this is the way I wanna live, and you're like, just this once, just this once, I'm gonna go this way, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this instead. I've changed my direction. And once determines the direction. Now you have to do something once to change the direction. But your direction has been changed. And all the enemy wants to do is get you to change the direction that you've been going. Just once. Just once. Just, it's just once. Okay? And I learned that once changes the directions and typically determines the new direction from a bill collector. One of the guys on our staff when we started the church was a bill collector. He told me this technique that they do. He said when people owe thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, They'll be getting in touch with them and they'll say, hey, can you pay a little bit towards the bill? Can you pay a little bit towards the bill? And they're like, no, no, I can't. They say, can you give us $20? Can you send us 20? Can you send us $20? Now, they owe tens of thousands of dollars, but they're like, can you give us $20 towards the bill? $20. And usually they're like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And he said, we knew then we got them because they were running from their debt, running from their debt, running from their debt. And if we could just get them to turn and send us $20, we've changed their direction. Now we can work with them. They've showed us that this is the direction they want to go, and we could start working towards a settlement that's going to be way more than $20. All right? Some of you are like, ah, new technique to avoid the bill collector. No, no. No, no. Learn from that. Once determines the direction. Don't change your direction. Hold strong. Another one is no one can see. No one can see. It's an excuse that we use. No one can see. Like, I, I, you know, and by the way, Writing a book, change before you have to, like losing weight, is like everyone can see. You know, like, I mean, I go out to a restaurant, and we're with a family, and we're like, hey, we're gonna have dessert. It's, it's, it's a birthday, and they're like, mm, change before you have to, you know, look at you eating the dessert. You wrote a book. I'm like, it's, it's, it's we're all splitting it, you know? Uh, uh, uh. You know, I mean, they can all, I mean, it feels like every server goes to River Valley Church, you know? And I'm like, it's for the family. Bring me kale. Okay, you know, like, whatever. You know. All right. But you say, like, no one can see. No one could see. Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him. We must give account. Okay, so he sees. You may say, well, nobody in front of me, nobody beside me, nobody around me. You know, nobody sees. Well, guess what? Look up. He sees. He sees. And by the way, I'm just convinced that people are everywhere that go to our church and uh, this is illustrated like no one can see. Um, Becca and I, after our 20 years at River Valley, we did our sabbatical and we went to Australia. Just started, it's New Year's Eve, we're in Australia, and there's a million people in Sydney Harbor waiting for the fireworks. It's incredible, it's absolutely incredible. And we're just waiting, and I said to Becca, I said, you know what's amazing? We are here and nobody in Australia knows us. I said, we're here, and we're just on sabbatical. We're just far away from America, Minnesota. It's just you and I. This is going to be the most refreshing time for the two of us. It's going to be such a joy to spend this time with you here. And no sooner do I say that, somebody right behind us, a million people there, and they go, Pastor Rob, is that you? 
And I was like, I think I'm being punked right now. This is, they just heard me say that. They heard me say that. They don't know. I turn around, I go, yeah. I go, uh, do, you, uh, do you go to River Valley? They go, yeah, we go to River Valley. I'm like, you're kidding. What campus? They go, Faribault. I'm like, you're kidding. They, you're kidding. And I was like, we are on sabbatical. We don't want to be around people from our church. Move your blanket. No, I didn't do that last part, you know, but I was like, really? No kidding. It's awesome to spend fireworks with you. Hold my hand. I'll hold back. You know, I was like, like ah. We enjoyed the night. I was just like, you can't make it up. You think people don't know, they know. One time Connor said to me, he goes, hey, dad, you know, sometimes he was a little boy then. He goes, he goes hey, dad, sometimes you, you don't think I'm listening, but I am. You know, and I was like, oh, they're watching. People are watching. They're listening, all right? And even if nobody else is around you, between you and God, God knows. Make him smile. Make him smile. All right, another excuse in the lie that we have. Are you, are you getting these? Are you, no, I, I know you're identifying, you know, and I, I've, I've seen people nodding, you know, like, okay, here's another one. And there's, I love these because they're going to help you break through. No harm, no foul. Like, that's just, it's like, it's not that big of a deal. It's really, it's not, it's really not hurting anybody else. Like, it's, it's not that bad. Like in my own life, my cholesterol, my cholesterol was terrible. My cholesterol was terrible, way over 200. But it wasn't, I couldn't, I couldn't see it. It wasn't affecting me in a daily, it wasn't like, you know, how are you doing today? I feel a little sluggish, cholesterol's a little high, you know. Going in for an oil change, you know, you know, roto-rooter. Yeah, I didn't feel it, you know. And so there's a, like, and, and you don't see it. You don't have that number on you. Or like your bank score. You could be in terrible shape financially right now and in desperate need of financial peace and to sign up for that and to do that. But, but you don't come into church, we don't see a credit score there and see how bad it is. But you think, well, it's no harm, no foul. It's just me, it's just me, it's not that big of a deal. It can't be that wrong, you know? And because it's not out there and because you don't get called out on it and because nobody sees it really, you just kind of like, it's not that big of a deal. First Timothy 5, 24 says this, the sins of some are obvious. Let me stop there for a, um, for a moment. How many of you like, had obvious sins when you were growing up. Like every time you sinned, you got in trouble. You never got away with anything. Raise your hand, raise your hand. Right, that was me. Like my, and you know my mom, like total discernment. Like if I even thought about sinning, she'd be like, are you thinking of sinning tonight? You know, like <laughs> not at all, not at all. No chance, never. You know, but like some of us, like we get caught in everything. Okay, it says the sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. Okay, it's still gonna hurt you. Sometimes you like, oh, every time I get caught and everybody sees it and I never get away. Well, praise God that you have an opportunity to repent and change and, and make change and keep change, all right? Other people are thinking, I'm so good at this. Nobody catches me. Nobody ca-. And even if nobody catches you on this earth, James is very clear that when that sin is fully mature, it leads to death. And it's killing things in you. Okay, so you think, no harm, no foul. All right, another excuse. I got a couple more I want to speed through. I'm not as bad as. I'm not as bad as. You know, that's like our thing. Like, well, okay, you need to, well, I'm not as bad as them. You know, okay, I'm not as bad as them. You know, I'm not as bad of a husband as him. And I'm not as bad as this wife as, you know, her. I'm not as bad as, you see what I'm saying? And it's, I'm not as bad as. And you just start comparing. And, and the Bible is very clear that we're not comparing to other people. Okay, in Luke chapter 18, there's a, a Pharisee and a tax collector. And they're standing there praying, and Jesus is telling the story. And in verse 11, listen to what he says. He says, 
The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. If you know the end of the story, it doesn't end well for that guy. The tax collector's like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so bad. I need your grace. And God's like, grace. Oh, and to the guy that's judgmental and thinks he's all better than, and his goal is to be better than that guy, uh, eh, wrong, okay? You're not trying to beat people in goodness ladder and like, okay, I'm just, I've got to be ahead of them, and then I'm okay. And it, that's not the way you, it's a terrible, terrible way to live. And I got this, I want to just read it out to you. It says, I'm not trying to be a better, uh, I'm not trying to be better than you, I'm trying to look more like Jesus and be the best me I can be. Let me say that again. I'm not trying to be better than you. I'm trying to look more like Jesus and be the best me I can be. Okay, I want to be exactly who Jesus has created me to be. I want to be uh, living the change that he's given to me. I want to step into all that he has for me and not be like less than what God wants me to be. Another one, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. Matter of fact, I'm gonna end with that one, so I'll give you the, the ninth one, and we'll go back. The, the, the ninth one is learned helplessness. Learned, a lot of people have learned helplessness. You just have felt like nothing can change me, nothing can, I can't get victory, I'm no good, it will never work for me. Um, I've just learned to be helpless. And you need to realize that God says you're not helpless. God says you're his beloved son. God says that you're his beloved daughter. God says that you have the power of the Holy Spirit. God says that you are more than a conqueror. God says greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. God says my grace is sufficient in your weakness. All right? So let me end with this one here. This is the one um, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. And this is one I just want to share from my own um, story and just help you again to realize you're going to make the change, you're going to keep the change. I wasn't prepared. There was a, 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 when I lost the weight, let me start there. When I lost the weight, let me do the easy one, and then I want to talk about purity. When I lost the weight, and I was like, I'm going to do this, I wasn't prepared for going on the road. I'd go on the road, and I lost the weight, and then they'd say, after we get done preaching, it's 9.30 at night, a special event or whatever, they're like, let's go out for Italian. I'm like, great, carbs at midnight, that's gonna be great, you know, keep the change, you know? And I wasn't prepared, and then I'd go to my room, and they'd have like a little gift basket, it'd be like chocolate and cookies and more chocolate and cookies, you know, and somebody's like, praise God, no, not if you're trying to lose the weight, you know? And, and so I was like, so I wasn't prepared, and so I'd have to tell them like, hey, I, I, I don't put chocolate and cookies in the, the room, like, don't do that, I don't want them around me, and then I'd have to say like, I wanna eat like, fish or something, you know, I'd have to suggest something to them and be able to say, like, I don't want, I don't want to lose those things. Matter of fact, I even bought a book for when I went out to eat. It was a book called um, Eat This, Not That, like out to eat version. And if I was at a restaurant, I'd be like paging through, I'd be like, at Hardee's today, what does it say? Fast, definitely fast. You know, you're like, okay, <laughs> fast, okay, yeah. Okay, but at least you knew what you could eat there, right? So that's one thing. But then on the other thing with purity, and I just want to go here because Please don't think, man, Pastor Rob was really about a weight loss. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It's about all the changes. And years ago, we made changes in our life. And as a church, we started doing 
every man's battle for purity and calling men up to a higher level of purity, realizing that the internet, the world that we're living in, the fact that you have a handheld device that can go and bring you down the road of destruction and you could say, well, I wasn't even looking, it was right there. And you know, No, 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 we're not gonna have those excuses. So he said, we're gonna live in purity. So this was years ago. I was traveling to Russia, St. Petersburg, Russia, teaching for John Maxwell for his million leaders mandate. And when I did that, I went there, I, I get to Russia and I go to the hotel in St. Petersburg, beautiful, and walk in, this guy comes up, hey, if you need anything, I'm your guy. If you need drugs, if you need any alcohol, uh, you need any hookers, whatever, you, I'm your guy. And I said, I, I'm a pastor. I don't need any of that. Like, what are you, are you kidding me? And he goes, well, I've got that for pastors before. I was like, get thee behind me, Satan, get out of here, you know? And I go up and I register at the desk. I go up to my room, I turn on my TV and, you know, there's pornography. Like first, I turn on the TV and there's a pornography right there. Turn that off. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go for a walk. I'm gonna go out to walk. I go out to the street, Nevsky Prospect, right in St. Petersburg, and I walk out and I kid you not, it was literally like a, a, a truck carrying pornography had exploded and there was pornography all over the ground. And I'm just like, oh, and I'm just like, I, I try to keep the game. I'm trying to keep the game. I don't wanna be that guy, okay? So I go back to my room, and this is before I had a cell phone and you know unlimited calling and all that. I call my wife at like a buck a minute. And I'm like, Becca, I, th this is like an attack from the enemy. I'm alone and this guy, and I, I never had this before, and this and this and this, hold me accountable. And then I thought, you know, in case my wife like is too gracious at all in this area, I'm gonna call a pastor. I'm gonna call a pastor. So I called a pastor, I said, hey, I just want you to know this is what I saw, this is the thing. I want you to hold me accountable that I won't turn on my TV, that I didn't, got it, good, 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 great. And I was like, I'm gonna put up the guard in my, I wanna keep the gain that I worked so hard, okay? And so we're like, wow, Pastor Rob, that was, you're, you're really weak. No, no, I'm made of the same stuff you are, okay? We're all like fighting the same battles and trying to say, God, give us the strength to do this, to move forward. Like the Apostle Paul, when he's talking to the Church of Corinth, he wasn't like, losers, you're terrible. He's like, hey guys, there's temptation, but don't worry, God's giving you a way out. God's given you a way of escape. I'm not gonna excuse it. You're not gonna live in a world of excuse. God's given you the strength. He's gonna give you the way out and to do that. Just scratch the surface on this and I'm believing God's gonna use this to help people right now to make the change and keep the change. I can't help but think about even just young people that are like, is it worth it to stay pure? It's worth it. It's worth it. You say, well, I've never done drugs. It's worth it to not do it. It's worth it. You know, I've never done drugs. I've never been drunk. I, 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 you know, when people ask me, like, do you want to drink? I'm like, nope, I've been sober, you know, for 36 years, you know? And they're like, really? Because I take the age of 21 legal and at, you know, my age, and I'm like, yep, I've been, so I'm not going to change. I'm not going to lose it. It's worth it. The person wondering, is it worth it to stay pure in your marriage? Yes, it is. Is it worth it to keep going to the counselor? Yes, it is. Is it worth it? Yes, it is. There's an abundant life that's for you and you've gotta grab it. And the things that used to define you, the things that were your family, the things that were over here, they will not define you anymore. You will be different in Jesus' name. He will give you the strength to make the change and keep the change. And so right now, God, I pray for all of us, they would make the change, keep the change that the things that defined us will no longer define us. It'll be a new day. It'll be a new day. We'll make change. We'll keep change. We'll hold the gains, and it will all be worth it. You will give us the strength to do it. 
You'll give us the resolve to do it. You'll put people around us that will help us to keep that change. But for your glory and for your honor, we want to be the best version of us that you have created us to be. We want to step into all that you have for us. We're saying goodbye to old things, hello to new things, and we will live an abundant life that has been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. I pray that we'll make the change and keep the change. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.